The 2023 college football season has officially come to an end, and the Michigan Wolverines are your new national champions. Gross. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Tuesday, January 9th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I'm Tyler Wojak, and I'm the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And today's episode is brought to you by Fandle. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit Fandle.com slash Locked On to get started. I realize that a lot of you watching or listening to this probably aren't in the best of mood because Notre Dame's rival just won a national championship. But if you like the show, uh, if you're a fan of the program, please take a moment to like the video below, subscribe to the channel, or if you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe there as well. You can also rate the show five stars, leave her a nice review. It would really go a long way for me right now, especially because I'm not super happy about the fact that Michigan won. But I feel like can't talk about this game without giving credit to Michigan. I know that sucks. Uh, a lot of people aren't going to want to do it. They're going to call them cheaters. That's fine. You can feel however you want to feel about this game. But I do think that Michigan was the best team in college football this season. They proved it, right? They beat the best team in the SEC when they knocked off Alabama in the Rose Bowl. They beat the best team in the Pac-12, who might have been the second-best conference, maybe even the best, the, maybe the deepest conference in college football this season, when they knocked off Washington in the national championship, the Wolverines finished 15 0. And yeah, they're the best team in college football this year. It sucks. Okay. It sucks if you're a Notre Dame fan. I'm not going to try to spin this in any positive way for Notre Dame and say, oh, well, it's actually a good thing that Notre Dame's rival, maybe not the top rival, like to me, nothing would be worse than seeing USC win a national championship, especially with Caleb Williams. So at least we don't have to deal with that. But it's not fun. Now, I do think that there are some lessons that Notre Dame can take from the way that Michigan built their roster into a championship team, but it's still not fun. It's not fun watching your rival win a national championship, especially when you consider the fact that Notre Dame has been in the playoff twice. They went to the BCS national championship. They had to play much tougher competition, I would say, in all three of those games that what Michigan had to face in this college football playoff. But you know what? They're the champions, man. I'm not going to sit here and try to diminish it. And I know that some of you listening might say, oh, well, they're cheaters. This isn't going to count. These wins are going to get vacated. Maybe. They might. When that happens, I'll certainly laugh at the situation. And if Jim Harbaugh announces today, by the time that you're listening to this podcast, that he's leaving for the NFL, okay, I guess you know that's a good thing. Because we're not, we're probably not going to have to watch Michigan do it again next year, but it still was not a fun night. I'm actually recording this pretty late. It's uh, 11:30 p.m. Pacific time. I just got home uh, from my job at Fox. Obviously, spent the whole day and night covering this game, and it's probably not going to surprise you to find out that there are several people at Fox, some of my colleagues who went to Michigan, who are very happy about this. And uh, yeah, I had to watch it with them, and it was not the most fun experience, but. It made me super jealous of the joy that they're feeling. And in some ways, and just a little bit, it does make it seem a little bit more possible that Notre Dame uh, could achieve this goal, could become the best team in the college football in the modern era. At one point, I wasn't sure if Notre Dame could win a national championship. And maybe 
Maybe it's going to become even harder in the expanded playoff. I'm going to get into that in the end because I'd like to go over just my initial reaction to this game, the lessons that I'm going to take, and then what this means for the you know the sport at large in college football. But one thing that I was thinking about a lot as I was watching this game, and obviously I was rooting for Washington, both because I hate Michigan and you know I may or may not have put money on Washington to cover six and a half. They did not. So I'm rooting for Washington, and I was thinking about what it would be like if Notre Dame was playing in this game, right? If Notre Dame was in Washington's shoes. I actually think that the way that Washington lost this game was worse than any big game blowout that Notre Dame has dealt with in the past decade plus. What I mean by that is when Notre Dame has made these big games, when they made the playoff, when they made the national championship, they got absolutely house in every single game. Even though the scoreboard was a little bit closer in the Rose Bowl game against Alabama in 2020, that game was never in doubt. Alabama dominated Notre Dame from start to finish. And then when Notre Dame got rolled by Clemson, I know it was somewhat uh, in jeopardy in the second quarter until Julian Love got hurt and then Clemson ran away with it. The national championship, we don't even have to talk about that. That game was over. That game might have been over when Alabama ran out of the tunnel. At least when Notre Dame was in those games, it was over right away. And you could look at the uh, look at the competition and be like, all right, yeah, Notre Dame wasn't good enough. They they got beat by the better team. I wish it was a little bit closer so they could at least least tease me into thinking that they had a realistic shot at winning. But most of those games are over by halftime. So we had to sit there. We had to accept it. And it sucked. But it was a lot easier to accept that they were just playing against a better team that dominated them from start to finish compared to what Washington fans had to deal with watching their team play and lose this game. Because for one... They were down the entire game. Michigan goes out. They score on the first drive. Donovan Edwards came out of the witness protection program. He scores two touchdowns in the first quarter. It's like, where has that been all season? Anyway, so they're down. That's not fun. They're coming from behind the rest of the game. But then after a dominant Michigan start, or a dominant start by Michigan, I should say, Washington had a real shot here. They had multiple opportunities to take advantage of what Michigan was doing. They stopped running the ball. They started to let J.J. McCarthy cook, which was, it just made no sense to me, right? There was a point in that game where J.J. McCarthy was the only reason that Washington was still in that game. He was not accurate. Michigan decided to throw it on a couple short yardage situations on third and fourth down that didn't really make a lot of sense. But Washington goes into the half down a touchdown despite being dominated. I mean, Michigan had 235 yards of offense before they even had their first third down. And still, Washington had a chance. So Washington fans were like, okay, bad start, but they have a great opportunity. And or Washington had several drives when they were down a touchdown, and they just couldn't get anything out of it. Then Michigan goes up by 10 right out of the second half when they get the interception on the first play. And then Washington was able to respond. They get a field goal. They had other opportunities to tie the game, and they just couldn't do it. And in the end, they get blown out, and then people are going to have the same reaction about Washington that they did in the past with some of those Notre Dame teams. Like, I saw some people crowning Georgia the national champion, which makes no sense to me because they lost to Alabama on a neutral site in a game in which Alabama controlled for much of the game. Washington had every right to be there, but now people are going to see the final score and they're going to dismiss them. They're going to say, oh, they got rolled. They got dominated. They never should have been there in the first place when that's not true. And every chance that Washington had to make it a game and take control, they just blew it. I mean, no one really expected Michael Penix to have the same type of game that he had against Texas because that is quite literally 
One of the best performances by a quarterback that I have ever seen in the college game, especially when you consider the stakes, the opponent, the situation, all that. He was phenomenal in that semifinal game, and he just was not as locked in in this one. And it didn't help him that his receivers and his tight end, everyone decided they couldn't catch the ball, especially in some really important situations. And then when they would catch the ball, like a Dunze's catch when he ran that slant and go route um, down the sideline, had a nice 32-yard gain that would have really set up Washington well, of course there's a holding call, right? So it, it was really frustrating to root for Washington. And I was just thinking about, I have a couple Washington fans in my life, a few of my coworkers who went there, big Huskies fans. That one is going to sting for a long time. Because I don't know when they're going to get back. And they end up losing by 21 points. So people aren't going to give them the respect that they deserve. And you have to go through the brutal process of knowing that your team had opportunities to make it a game, to take control, and they just couldn't do it. So if there's any solace in this entire situation for Notre Dame fans, I guess you can say, well, at least when Notre Dame lost, it wasn't that bad. And I realize that's not a great situation to be in, right? Like I said, there's really no way I can spin this into a positive. But there are some lessons that Notre Dame can take from this game, and that's coming up right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. That is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if one of my family members or one of my friends got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any one of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's code LOCKEDON for $20 off your order. So relatively recently, I saw this quote going around. I think it was on Twitter. That might have been making fun of Jalen Hurts in his postgame press conferences after yet another Eagles loss. Sorry to all you Eagles fans out there who are just limping your way into the playoff. But the quote goes, if it ain't a blessing, it's a lesson. I can assure you that it's not a blessing for Notre Dame fans that Michigan just won a national championship. But there are some lessons to take away from this. And I do think that the way that Michigan built its roster to ultimately become the best team in in college football is attainable for Notre Dame. When Notre Dame has lost these big games in the past, it's almost always because they didn't have the skill skill guys on the outside to keep up. With the exception of the 2012 National Championship, when Notre Dame didn't have anything to keep up with Alabama, right? But in 2018, when Notre Dame lost against Clemson, the main takeaway coming out of that was Notre Dame just doesn't have the receivers and they don't have the cornerback depth to keep up with these top teams. We all saw Justin Ross blow by Dante Vaughn over and over and over after Lean Love went out. And it was like, okay, Notre Dame needs to recruit better. They need to get more playmakers on the outside. That, that process is still ongoing, by the way, at least on the offensive side of the ball. On defense, Notre Dame has really quality corners, and they've had that for the past couple of years in, in Benjamin Morrison and Cam Martin. So that was the lesson there. 2020 is pretty similar. What Alabama had at wide receiver, Notre Dame just could not keep up with. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, even though Jalen Waddle was hurt that game, Henry Ruggs, all those guys. Like That was the difference in that game. I would say that Notre Dame actually held up at the line of scrimmage against Alabama, but the deficit in skill talent on the outside was just too much to overcome. 
Michigan didn't win this game with elite skill talent. You can make the case that J.J. McCarthy is the worst quarterback to win a national championship since, like, Jake Coker in Alabama. Remember him? There's a name. I didn't expect a Jake Coker reference today, but here we are. J.J. McCarthy did not play well in the national championship. What did he finish? 10 of 18, 140 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He did add uh, a 22-yard run on third down that was pretty critical for Michigan uh, in the third quarter, so that was good. But outside of that drive uh, against Alabama to tie the game, J.J. McCarthy was pretty suspect in the college football playoff. He was good enough. I'm not saying he was a bad player, but he's not what we've become accustomed to seeing at the top of college football. Like, we're used to seeing the type of play that Michael Penix had against Texas. That wasn't the case for Michigan. Michigan won this game because of their offensive line and defensive line. Sound familiar? Sounds like something that Marcus Freeman would say when he would tell the press, he'd tell the team, that Notre Dame needs to be a program driven by its offensive and defensive line. So at least in that respect, Notre Dame can certainly achieve that goal. They're a long way from it, particularly on the offensive line, I would say. I think Notre Dame's defensive line next year is going to be one of the best in the country. They've got grown men on the line. Jordan Battelle, fifth-year senior. Riley Mills, Howard Cross, R.J. Oban, all graduate seniors who are going to be leading the way on Notre Dame's defensive line. So I think they've got that down. They also have quality depth with uh, guys like Bubakor Traore coming into his own at Viper, Josh Burnham, Jason Anye, Gabriel Rubio. Like, Notre Dame is, is pretty good on the defensive line. I'm not ready to say that's a national championship winning defensive line. We'll see how it plays out next year, but that is going to be a damn good group. On the offensive line, there are some questions about Notre Dame. They are going to return one starter next year that started in the first game of this past season uh, in Pat Coogan. There's going to be some young guys, I presumably Charles Jagasaw. Uh, Billy Shrouth, who started some games at the end of the year, he's probably going to be a starter. Rocco Spindler is going to be coming back from an injury. And then at right tackle, you've got Emil Wagner and Tosh Baker battling it out. Now, maybe Notre Dame adds a more experienced guy in the transfer portal, but that is what they're working with right now. That group could be really good. They need to be really good in order for Notre Dame to win a national championship. But at least Notre Dame has proven in the past that they can develop a national championship quality offensive line. They won the Joe Moore Award way back in 2017 with guys like Mike McGlinchey, Quentin Nelson, first-round picks, and the the lineage, the history of the Notre Dame offensive line. Like, I don't need to rehash that all to you. You're smart. You know what I'm talking about. So at least in that respect, Notre Dame can build a program, a championship-level program at those two position groups. So that's one thing that I feel like Notre Dame can take away from this game and be like, okay, there's proof of concept now. There's also proof of concept that a team from the Midwest, not named Ohio State, can become the best team in college football. There is uh, certainly a, a large contingent of people who watch college football, who talk about college football for a living, who write about it, who did not think that any team located above the Mason-Dixon line could win the national championship or, or had any business competing in the national championship. And we saw Michigan not only win it, but we saw Washington, a team from the West Coast, who I would say most people probably haven't watched a ton of this season because they play on the West Coast, make it to the national championship. There were a combined two five-stars playing in this game. That's high school recruiting. I'm not going to sit here and say that stars don't matter, but at least we can see proof now that teams who aren't recruiting quite at the level of a Georgia or an Alabama can make it to the top of college football. Is this because of the transfer portal? Is it because of increased parity? Is it because of NIL? It's hard to say, but it's important that this happened in the NIL era because when NIL came into college football, there was a lot of people who thought that the gap 
between those top teams like the Georgias, like the Alabamas, would become even wider because they had all the resources. Now, Michigan is not a team in dire need of resources by any stretch, but they are located in a less than ideal location. I mean, Ann Arbor is like a fine college town, but it's in Michigan. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's not that much better than South Bend. So the fact that Michigan was able to do it, the fact that they were able to recruit the talent that they did, they're also pretty aggressive in the transfer portal. Not quite at the level that like Colorado or any of these teams with, you know, giant overhauls like USC or anything like that when a new coach takes over, but they were strategic and they were very aggressive, particularly on the offensive line. Like that, that is something that I don't think gets talked about enough is that Michigan had the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line for two straight years, and then they were getting aggressive in the transfer portal. They added Ladarius Henderson when they already had guys in their room who were good enough to probably play and play at a high level. They went out and got guys. They improved the team. They enhanced an already good part of their team, maybe the best part of their team, right? So Notre Dame can do that. Notre Dame has been really aggressive in the transfer portal this offseason and the year prior. That's an encouraging sign. Now, I still think they need to add a piece on the offensive line, but there's been a lot of good news about what Notre Dame has done in the roster acquisition business, uh, particularly in the portal and also the recruiting class as well. Notre Dame is recruiting at a higher level under Marcus Freeman. Is it at a championship level yet? That remains to be seen. But they're taking steps in the right direction. They're going to have an experienced quarterback next year in Riley Leonard, a dual-threat quarterback next year in Riley Leonard, which I think is also an important piece of this because even though McCarthy wasn't the best passer, and he showed that in the national championship game. He made plays with his legs, and having that, and having a quarterback who can make a play when everything else breaks down is very important. It's great to have. And for as good as Michael Penix is, the dude can't run. He probably used to before he had two ACL tears, but he was elusive in the pocket, but if the play breakdown or play broke down, he wasn't going to scramble and break off like a 20-yard run. As a matter of fact, Washington tried to run him right on a designed run at the end of the first half, and that was, that was going nowhere. So I felt bad for him there. But I think that the way that Michigan built its team is something that Notre Dame should, frankly, try and replicate. I know that it's not fun to, to be a hater of Michigan and say, all right, Notre Dame should try to do exactly what they did, but it's true. And Michigan built their team to beat Ohio State, beat the Ohio State teams with guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Like, what Ohio State was is exactly what Notre Dame was trying to overcome when they lost to Clemson and when they lost to Alabama. So Michigan built its team with the identity of beating a high-powered offense like that, basketball and turf, all that with really great elite playmakers, and they did that. They've now beat Ohio State the past three years, and they have controlled that game pretty much every time. I know that the scoreboard doesn't always say it, but this year especially, when they just sort of suffocated Ohio State at the end, they did it with their offensive and defensive line, and they did it by running the football. Michigan finished with 303 rushing yards in this game. That's a ton in the national championship against a defense who, yeah, I'm not going to say they were like the 85 Bears or anything like that, but, man, they ran all over them. Washington, meanwhile, finished with 46. So it's not fun. It's not fun to say that, hey, that, that thing that you hate, you should also try and emulate. It's not a situation that I imagine you come across often, but that's the way it is. Notre Dame should look at what Michigan has done, and they should try to replicate it, and I do think that it's attainable. I really do. So, yeah, it's the one positive in all of this, right? It's not a good thing that Michigan won, but at least there are some lessons that Notre Dame could take from this and apply in the future, and uh, I think if they do that, they do it successfully, it's certainly going to bode well for the Fighting Irish, and maybe they'll have an opportunity to play Michigan in the college football playoff down the road because I missed that game. 
It was one of my favorite games as a kid. And uh, there was just so much energy and so much passion devoted to that. And I hope that they get to play again. I know they're on the schedule for like, I don't know, like 10 years from now, because that's just what college football does. But uh, I really hope Notre Dame gets a crack at him in the near future, with or without Harbaugh. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, he's gone. But uh, I really want to see that game. All right, coming up next, let's wrap things up by looking at the broader impact. What does this mean for college football, right? What does this mean for the sport as a whole? That's coming up right after this. Today's episode is sponsored by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, including live same-game parlays. You can also find bets in the new Explore tab. You can even make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. It's the best way to find popular parlays and more. I'll give out a pick this week. You know what? The Browns are playing the Texans. They are favored by two and a half on the road, and I know that the Browns are notorious for breaking their fans' hearts, myself included. But you know what? I'm riding with the Browns. I'm riding with Joe Flacco. Give me the Browns to cover on the road in the wild card game. So visit Vandal.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Vandal, official partner of the NFL. Michigan's win over Washington marks the end of the four-team college football playoff format in college football. Next season, the playoff expands to 12 teams, and it sounds like the CFP committee has been meeting in recent days to discuss the automatic bid situations. There were going to be six. Now there's going to be five with seven at-large bids. And uh, things are going to change in college football. A lot of people have opinions on how it's going to happen. There are some people who think that with a 12-team playoff format, it's going to be harder than ever for teams to win. Teams outside of the elites, right, that we know, like Georgia, Alabama, uh, because they're going to have to win more games. And I do think that's partially true. Now, there's the other side of the argument that says, well, there's going to be more teams who have a chance every year, and that could potentially spread out some of the top-end talent. They can go to different schools, especially with NIL being more of a factor. Maybe, you know, there's a high four-star prospect who could get a lot more money being the guy at a place like Penn State as opposed to being just another four-star at Georgia, Alabama. We don't really know. And I don't want to say definitively one person is right, one person is wrong. I think we're just going to have to wait and see. But I think that's something that we saw in this playoff with a team like Michigan and another team like Washington who made it to the national championship. I, I think it's the beginning of a little bit more parity in college football. Not a ton. Like I don't think Tulane is going to make the playoff next year as the group of five and then make it to the national championship. I'm not going to go that far. But I do think that with NIL, with the transfer portal, guys are moving, right? They're, they're not just sitting around at Georgia and they're waiting. They're biding their time to play as a junior, someone who was already extremely talented, and then they develop in their systems and then start uh, in their third or fourth year. Guys are leaving. Look at Georgia. They had a bunch, I think 13, four or five stars leave the program this past offseason, and they're going to different schools. Now, some of them are going to their competition in the SEC, like Alabama or LSU, but a lot of guys are going around. Look at Nyland Green. He went to Purdue. Who would have thought that, right? So I do think that we're actually going to see some of that talent spread out, and that is going to affect parity in college football. That's good for Notre Dame, right? Because they need some of that talent to spread out because they just don't have all the resources and all the things at their disposal, like the location, um, like the NIL money. Like Notre Dame is much better positioned in the NIL space than they were before, but it's still, they're never going to be on the same level as like Texas A&M or Miami. And that's a good thing, right? I'm not saying that's bad because the way that some of those schools pan, they, they, they spend it so, I guess, haphazardly that it has a negative effect. But 
if this talent starts to spread out a little bit and it becomes a slightly more even playing field, I do think that it's great. It's a great opportunity for Notre Dame. I think they can take advantage of it. There's just, what, two two years ago, every Michigan fan I talked to would complain about Jim Harbaugh's stance uh, regarding NIL. Look at him now, national champions. What were we talking about last year with Notre Dame? NIL, the administration's buy-in to football. No one's really talking about that right now. Notre Dame just paid Mike Denbrock $2 million a year with a four-year contract to be the offensive coordinator. They're going to pay Al Golden around the same amount of money to be the defensive coordinator. That is an explicit sign of a buy-in of an investment into Marcus Freeman and the football program so that he has everything they need to compete at the highest level. There are not that many schools in college football who can say that. Notre Dame is one of the few. I would say there's probably like 10, maybe 15 programs now who are going to have that sort of backing by their administration, by their alumni, and plus they just have the the tradition and the history of a school like Notre Dame. So Notre Dame is well-positioned in this new era. I don't know if it's going to be positioned well enough to win a national championship. We're going to have to wait and see. But I do think that seeing Michigan and seeing Washington, and even seeing a team like TCU make it last year, and I know they fell off hard in this past season, and that maybe that was a fluke. I mean, they got absolutely throttled by Georgia in the national championship. But they beat Michigan, and they made it. Notre Dame hasn't won a playoff game yet. So there's good signs. I think it's a good sign for the sport because I want more teams to have a shot. Now, when I say I want more teams to have a shot, I don't want like a team who finishes 9-3 and in the regular season to have a shot at the playoff. Like I think that's my biggest beef with the expanded playoff. But I want more teams in the mix every year, teams who are really – quality programs who who do things the right way to have a shot at winning the national championship because I think it makes a lot more fun than just going into the season being like all right well Alabama is going to be in the national championship or Georgia is going to be in the national championship and they'll probably play Ohio State or maybe Oregon sneaks in there I didn't really like that I think everyone is growing tired of it so I really think that the sport of college football is entering uh, a great period there's obviously a bunch of things that they need to clean up transit portal the calendar I could go on and on that's not what we're here to do today but I do think that Michigan beating Washington in the national championship is a sign of things to come. Now, don't get me wrong, Alabama and Georgia, those schools are going to be back in the mix next year without a doubt. They're going to be competing down the road. But I think that more teams have a realistic shot of beating them. And, and that was uh, on display with what Michigan and Washington were able to do in this college football playoffs. So look, it sucks if you're a Notre Dame fan and you got to watch your rival win a national championship. For those of you Notre Dame fans living in Michigan, God bless, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tough couple months for you. It's gonna be a tough couple months for all of us. Um, but hey, hopefully, the people on Notre Dame staff, the people in the athletic department, I don't know if they all feel the same way about Michigan as as we do as fans. But I hope it lights a fire under their ass and uh, they try to get things done, man. Because the only thing that can rectify this at this point is if Notre Dame went on to win a national championship, and I. I feel better now today that they can do it than I did at the beginning of the season, which feels crazy to say after a 9-3 year. But that is going to do it for this episode. Thanks again for making Lockdown Irish your first listen of the day. A lot of great stuff coming your way this week. The plan right now is to have Mike Renner back on the show. We're going to start talking about NFL draft, the guys who are leaving Notre Dame, their draft prospects, as well as the guys who are staying, who could have gone to the NFL and what they will bring to the Irish next year. Later in the week, we're going to have Tom Noy, the best men's basketball writer on the beat. 
He's going to be on the show to talk about everything that's been going on with the men's hoops program as of late. And then we got a whole lot more fun stuff coming your way throughout the offseason. So make sure that you're subscribed on YouTube or wherever you listen to the podcast. You can also follow the show on X at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod, or you can follow me on my personal X account. It's at Tyler W O J C I A K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.